So, Mark. Yes? We are back this week talking about TV Christmas movies. Okay. So, I think that what's important right now is to talk about, are there good TV Christmas movies? And if so, what makes one good? Well, the concept of good is subjective. <laughs> so, what <laughs> truly we, defines we have seen Mortal Engines. a good movie? Mortal Engines transcends good and bad. Well, it's amazing. It exists on a plane of amazing existence on its own where you don't need a plot, characters, or any good dialogue to be a good movie. It still rules! It's if it's still, still great. in theaters by the time people listen to this episode... It probably won't be. It made zero dollars in its opening weekend. It's being projected to lose a hundred million. Goddamn. So, we loved it. I loved it. If you can still see it, it's the week after Christmas. Like, you don't have to go to work. Go check out Mortal Legends. On the biggest screen you can. Yes, for it sure. It kind of rules. Yeah, it is not a Netflix movie, but it is worth seeing in theaters. Oh, yeah. Anyway, made for TV <laughs> Christmas movies. My favorite, Mortal Engines. Traction Cities! <laughs> Municipal Darwinism! These are all real phrases from Mortal Engines. Municipal Darwinism might be my favorite. That is probably going to be my new Twitter handle. <laughs> um, But Christmas movies. Made for TV. Made for TV. This is going to be this whole episode. This movie broke me. I've seen very few, to be honest. Okay, I'm well, going to come clean. I know. I've been expanding the number that I see. This year, I watched a new Hallmark one called Mingle All the Way, okay. which is about a clearly a romantic young woman played by Jen Lilly, who is fed up with her mom harassing her at holiday get-togethers for not having a husband to the point that her mom literally has a photo of her and her ex-boyfriend hanging on the wall to be like, oh, remember when you had a significant other? And so what she does is she creates this app that helps you find a platonic plus one to take to family and work events so nobody asks you about that. And the app is called Mingle All The Way, which means they say that name a bunch of times in dialogue in the movie. This is such an inherently conservative genre, and oh, that kind totally. of annoys me when I watch it. That actually really frustrated me with Mingle all the way, because in the end, of course, she falls in love with the dude who she gets paired with on the app. Yeah, I mean, this genre in general paints the concept of big cities and having well-paying jobs as an inherent evil in the world. Well, yeah, think about the boss from Christmas Kiss. No, because he's good having a high-paying job. It's only when no, women... No, old money. It's only... The women who are ambitious right. are bad. Oh, that boss, yeah. It's only when women have money is it inherently evil, and and also, in the end, marriage is the only worth to a woman's life. Right. Wealth is okay if you're old money. Yes. So that's why I I enjoy them when I watch them, but I'm never, like, desperately seeking one out because I get annoyed. We need to hear from our expert. What makes a good made-for-TV Christmas movie? What makes a good one? Or what makes a great one? I don't know. Well, I like to go into it with the mentality that I know it's going to be bad and I just love it anyways. I don't know that there are many that are actually good. I do enjoy The 12 Dates of Christmas, though. I have not seen that one. We were originally going to do that for this episode. Yes. But then this movie came out and we were like, well, we should swoop in on that zeitgeist. Should we switch? Yes, we made a switch. <laughs> wow, that joke will not get old. We put more thought into that switch than the characters in this movie did before they did a switch. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. But yeah, so 12 Dates of Christmas is a great one. It's kind of like a Groundhog Day type movie. And what happens? And she gets set up on a blind date and she has to relive that date on Christmas Eve. Which, first of all, who has a blind date on Christmas Eve? Don't I you have, have somewhere else to be? Or don't they do. have somewhere else to be? Or just like, are that many places open? 
I think for it was a good at a date? bar. I, I don't guess. know. So her mother had died, and her dad's new wife, the guy, was her godson. So she set them up, and then they were all supposed to have Christmas Eve dinner together after the date. Weird. And then she has to relive it. Twelve times? Yeah, tw- for the twelve dates of Christmas. And every single time when she wakes up, she's in the mall, she has passed out on the floor, <laughs> and there is this woman dressed as an elf who was one of the perfume people. And she just looks over her and she goes, I spritzed you and you passed out. Twelve times. That is too many times. We it need to talk about magic recurring elves in this episode. number of times. Because this movie has a magic recurring elf that I have a lot of thoughts about. This concept of like old people being magic and giving advice is so weird to me. It's in all of them. We had Charlie it, the Janitor in Christmas in, Kiss. It's yep. required. And it's Some, so bizarre. Sometimes it's like someone dressed up as Santa Claus. Right. In, in Merry Christmas, there's a, a guy. A Merry Santa- Christmas is a masterpiece. Merry Christmas is incredible. That one's got baking. It's got puppies. It's got the attractive baker. It's got an evil immigrant. Who? The obnoxious choreographer that uh, she's married to is, is this he, like horrible British choreographer oh, British. who's a total egomaniac. You're right. He's like a third tier Russell Brand knockoff. <laughs> But it also has a kiss in an elevator. It did have a kiss in an elevator. I watched basically through that part and then had to go. And I was like, wow, this sexual assault is going on for a really long time. <laughs> With the old woman? Yeah. Who is uh, in Everybody Loves Raymond. I forget her name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the mom. Merry Christmas is great. Because it's an old woman forcing a kiss onto a young man, it's cute. But I was watching it and it went on for so long and I was just like. It was too much. This is sexual assault happening on screen. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else is good. I watched The Spirit of Christmas this year. That's one where it starts off with a murder. It's in the early 1900s, like during Prohibition. And this dude is walking up to a house where there's a big Christmas party happening. And then some dude comes up behind him and smashes him in the head with a rock and kills him. Cut to the present day when we've got Jen Lilly, the same person who's the lead in Mingle All the Way. She works for a foundation in Boston, the most important city in the world, as we learned from Christmas Kiss. And some rich person who owned this big house out in the countryside died with no living heirs. And the house has been donated to the foundation, but they're supposed to sell it and use the money. So she has to go out to like check it out and bring in an appraiser and stuff. And when she's there, she discovers that there's a ghost there, a spirit at Christmas time if you will. But the spirit only manifests between December 13th and December 25th every year for 12 days. Those aren't the 12 days of Christmas. Correct. (laughs) I watched one this year called The Christmas Wedding Planner. It was absolutely terrible. I have not seen that one. Screaming at the TV at the end of it. That was me with this one. And yet, I don't regret that time. (laughs) Might I recommend... What I've been doing, instead of watching Christmas movies, playing Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, a fantastic new game where you get to not only play Pokemon, but cuddle an Eevee that's really cute. I don't want any Pokemon content that's distracting me from anticipating Detective Pikachu. The best picture of 2019. Yes, but if I hadn't mentioned it, we wouldn't have gotten to talk about Detective Pikachu, which I'm so excited for. Right, best picture 2019. We're calling our shot now. I have no intention of seeing that. What? How? Get out! I'm not kidding! Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, I It's amazing! It's so weird. That's why we're seeing it. (laughs) It looks amazing. It's Pikachu, but he talks! Fiona. Yes. He talks. And it's voiced by Ryan Reynolds. But it's Pikachu talking. Yeah! Yeah. 
Correct, you have identified the appeal. <laughs> and you can see all the animals, like the Pokemon, as attempts to be weird animals and get really confused by some of them. Like Jigglypuff, a balloon Pokemon with fur. Yeah, but Mr. Mime looks dope. Mr. Mime looks great. Probably the only one. He looks the best. Yeah. But Pikachu also looks great. Pikachu looks good too. Very cat-like, even though he's a mouse. For a mouse. <laughs> yeah. He's a mouse? Yeah, yeah, he's the electric mouse Pokemon. I I don't really know what I thought he was. It's in the Pokedex, Fiona. It Pikachu. says Pikachu, the electric mouse Pokemon. Well, thanks for educating me. Well, everyone, go see Detective Pikachu. But until then, listen Mortal to Legends. our show. <laughs> until to, then, Mortal Legends. Until then, Mortal Legends. But for now, welcome to the show. Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. And this is an investigative podcast brought to you by Square Apron. Square Apron, the all-in-one platform that lets you build delicious websites in the comfort of your home. Just last week, I was like, I wish I had a website on which I could sell little Howard the Duck bobbleheads like I gave Mark for Christmas last year. And I went and I ordered a box through Square Apron and before I knew it, I had a case right in my home with some paprika and a URL and a little bit of cumin and a ready-made store on which I could set up these Howard the Duck bobbleheads. It's as easy as one, two, three. It's faster than a princess switch. All you got to do is go to squareapron.com slash love and use the code love when you're checking out. I've started a new job. And when I get home from work these days, I'm really tired. But I don't want to take out a website. I want to make my own. It can take a lot of energy when you get home after a long day of work to build an entire website from scratch. You don't know how much you're going to need or how long it's going to take. And And you just want something nice and easy. And building a website can be wasteful if you buy too much of the same ingredient. Before you know it, you've got some HTML left over and you're like, well, there's not enough to reuse later. So I guess I'm just going to throw it in the trash. Yeah, and that always makes me feel bad. So I love to come home to a box, open it up, make a website. I don't have any waste and it doesn't take that much energy. So I'm feeling great. And you're nice and full and you can go to bed. Square Apron. Offer code, love. Build it delicious. As you know, this is an investigative podcast where we delve deep into the most pressing, urgent issue of our day here in the waning hours of 2018. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? You know what? It doesn't even matter if it's a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. Either way, we will dig in and we will see what's there. It is our sacred mission. It is our duty. It is our solemn quest. And we won't stop until we've found an answer. Um, This week, of course, we are returning to a storied We Love the Love Christmas tradition by bringing back our TV movie expert for our annual holiday movie spectacular. It's our good friend, Fifi Fierce herself. Happy Christmas! Welcome back to the show, Fifi Fierce. Thanks, it's great to be here Yeah, it's been a while. It has been. And I love coming back for Christmas episodes because, as we know, I love all of these Christmas movies. Last time you were here, you complained about being recognized as the TV movie person. Yep. Still do, but I do love the Christmas movies. This is your third TV movie on the show. Uh, okay. <laughs> Christmas Kiss and... And High School, High School Musical. Musical. High School Musical. Oh, man. Um, Speaking of High School Musical, this weekend, I got to meet Corbin Blue. Oh, that's right. Of High School Musical fame. Chad himself. Yep, Chad Danforth, which is uh, just adding to my collection of High School Musical actors that I have met. Did you ask him if he and Ryan... No. That did not uh, come to my mind after I had stood in the rain for 45 minutes to get a picture with him. The first thing I would think is to confirm if he acted that character as having a relationship with Ryan. The most pressing question of that movie. 
well, no, the most question, pressing question of that movie is, can Ryan read? <laughs> I was about to make that joke, too. If you would like to ask this question, just get yourself down to Arena, hang out outside the stage door, and you might get to meet him. I'll be there tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Worth it. Now, of course, this week we were originally going to do the 12 Dates of Christmas, but this came out and we felt we could not ignore it. We had to switch films. Uh-oh. I hate this so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm making that joke. Broke me. Yeah. I loved this I movie. was just... The first time I tried to watch it, I fell asleep. So then I had to watch it all over again, and I just finished it, like, an hour ago. And I spent, like, the last 30 minutes of it just screaming at the TV. You took this movie much harder than anyone else. I've watched this movie three times already. What?! <laughs> This movie is madness. It's incredible. I cannot handle this movie. It was the best. No movie has been this crazy for me since Kahonaho. And that movie, at least, was a three-hour musical melodrama. This movie either should be three hours long or they should cut half of the plot. It's too long. It's too long as it is. I just mean that they are trying to squeeze in so many things. What is the point of having that villain? Okay, can we talk oh, about the, the villain? Frank was his name Frank? No, 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 not no. Frank. We should talk about him too. No, I'm talking about her rival. The rival in the oh, baking contest. The, yeah, the woman the, who they, won last year. Yeah, they could have fully cut that and lost nothing in the movie. That is correct. Yeah, we don't need her. So in the movie, Vanessa Hud... The movie, by the way, is the Princess Switch. We have not said that. <laughs> and in the movie, Amy Griffiths plays Brianna Michaels, who is Vanessa Hudgens' rival baker. And they have, like, this sordid past going back to when they were in culinary school. And Vanessa Hudgens kind of implies that Brianna Michaels slept her way to success. Yeah, I was surprised at the shade being thrown it's like a very saucy joke it is and saucy and the night before the actual baking competition brianna michaels goes in with a pair of scissors which she helpfully clicks a couple of times so that we can see that she's got scissors and then she walks over to the station where vanessa hudgens will be working and just clips the cord on her kitchenaid mixer which i have a question about we got a lot to talk about with the kitchenaid number one she didn't notice this until she was making the sauce. Okay, how yes! How do you make a cake without needing the KitchenAid? And how do you not discover this ahead of time? So here's the and deal. And are there not extra KitchenAids on site at this baking competition? You also wouldn't use a KitchenAid to puree. You would use a Cuisinart. Right. So she cuts the cord on the KitchenAid and then walks away being like, haha, I've got it. And then during the competition, Vanessa Hudgens realizes it when she's going to puree some berries for a filling. At this point, she already has a three-tier cake covered in fondant. So did she mix that batter by hand? Apparently. Apparently. Uh, one person, one also, of my friends did suggest that maybe the cake was made ahead of time, but I don't think that's the case. The filling, when we see the cake cut open, is layered in. So how did she insert it as a layer after having built all those tiers? Magic. I will say- the elf guy. I will say in defense of Brianna or whatever her name is, a lot of times when I'm walking with scissors, I do snip them. Yeah, I do that too. So I don't do it with as much She holds them up into the light so we can see them. That is true. It's like a little pistol. She just- Here's my other objection. We see Vanessa Hudgens get upset that it's not there. Like, how am I going to puree the berries? And then we just- 
cut to the end of the competition. They never show us their solution no, to the this guy problem. Says, oh, you have to do it by hand. Yeah, but like that's it. Like there's no drama of them like then trying to do it. But it's just Will, like, nope, we're done now. But Will, the judge says the puree could have been a bit smoother. Yeah. The problem is solved immediately after it becomes apparent. It's not an actual threat. It just adds a little tension. It doesn't though. Win the competition they should because of the puree. They should have cut the entire goddamn baking competition because it mattered so little in this stupid movie. But you can't have a Christmas holiday TV movie without a little baking in it, Mark. I am getting more mad about this movie the more I think this about movie it. Drove me bonkers. Because that's the thing is, I was I kept trying to figure out how basic story functions were going to be served by things that happened, and they just never were. The king and queen made no sense to me. <laughs> I had no idea what their deal was. They have no deal. Uh, they were supposed to, I think, discover the secret. But they don't. But the mom, the queen kind of does. For that to have, she does. But if that were to have been like an actual plot thing, they would have had to have discovered it sooner. Well, the movie only takes place across three days. Right. But I mean, like some sort of like sabotaging thing going on, but that doesn't happen. But she then is the one who orchestrates them then heading down to the competition. So I have a million things to talk about for this movie. I don't have a lot of like background stuff because it's a Netflix movie and Netflix doesn't release viewership data. So we don't know how many people watched this, except I think it was a lot. This was pretty widely reviewed by like major media outlets. This is all in the wake, of course, of last year, Netflix released A Christmas Prince, which was this huge, weird Netflix hit. And so then this year, Netflix built on that by rolling out four new original Christmas movies, A Christmas Prince, The Royal Wedding, The Princess Switch, The Holiday Calendar, and The Christmas Chronicles, the they got, Kurt they Russell a Santa movie. last year also. Oh, really? The Christmas Inheritance, which okay. I have not seen, actually. Oh, I knew that existed. Yeah. But so it's really in the wake of the success of Christmas Prince. They rolled out this slate this year, many of which were also filmed in Romania, like Christmas Prince. And this is now like part of Netflix's deal. They're going to make these made-for-TV Christmas movies with weirdly high production values and weirdly bad stories. And I am all on board. <laughs> so here's my other question about this, like, universe. Because in this movie, Vanessa Hudgens plays two characters, so this is going to be confusing. We're going to have to use character names. <laughs> Margaret, the Duchess of Montanaro, her favorite movie is A Christmas Prince. We see her go on Netflix at one point, and the only titles that exist on it are Netflix originals. And when I... they go to watch, she's like, we're going to watch my favorite movie, and it's A Christmas Prince. Was so mad so what that means is that in this fictional universe the fictional universe of the princess switch there is a netflix that made a christmas prince this also means that whatever made-up country that movie takes place in is not real right aldovia is a fictional country in the world of the princess switch which has two fictional countries bulgravia and montanaro unless a Christmas Prince is based on real events in the world of Princess Switch. Maybe. It could be a political thriller at the or same time. What if it's like the Hallmark movie about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle? Right, exactly. But this is then about Prince Richard. Whatever their name I is. I think it's Richard. And what's her face? The daughter of the diner Amber. owner from Amber. Brooklyn. Amber. Amber, yeah. This movie continues the proud tradition of all royalty being British. Yes. So the royal family of Belgravia all have British accents, but this one kind of makes sense because Belgravia is a neighborhood in London Yes. where I think Buckingham Palace is. So in my head, what has happened is this neighborhood has evicted the royal family that lives there now and set up their own independent country with a new king and queen. I so also- I suspect that this movie was originally supposed to be set in the UK because the baking competition takes place at Wembley Studios. Yeah, which I thought was weird. But also, 
I like this pattern of fictional countries all ending in Ia. It's the legacy of Genovia. Yes. There's actually a BuzzFeed quiz that you can take to determine whether you belong in Genovia, Aldovia, or Belgravia. <laughs> There's also a BuzzFeed quiz, which is going to post on our show's Facebook page the day after Christmas on which Princess Switch dude you should get married to. Oh, I have not seen that one. Yeah, so that'll be coming out on the 26th. I can't wait to take it. I got Edward, who is fine. Good. Good. He is the definition of fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fiona, who's your favorite Princess Switch dude? Um, I think I would go with Edward. Okay. Not the weird elf man? Not the weird elf man. There is a magic elf man in this movie. We need to talk about him. Fiona, real quick. You did see Kevin take his shirt off, right? Here's the thing. Oh, I absolutely think that Kevin is more attractive, but I just found Edward kind of endearing. Can we talk about the Kevin no shirt scene? Because here's the issue with the Kevin no shirt scene. So the two Vanessa Hudgens are on the phone with each other after one or two days of having done the switcheroo. And Margaret, pretending to be Stacy, Duchess Margaret, is on the phone talking to Stacy when Kevin pops in with no shirt on and is like, hey, I just realized I forgot my toothpaste. Do you mind if I borrow yours? And Margaret is like, oh, this is awesome. You're real sexy. But my problem is they've been there for two days. That's the thing. How long did it take him to notice he didn't have toothpaste? He has not brushed his teeth. (laughs) That's disgusting. That's gross. They could have just said, oh, I ran out of toothpaste. Yes, exactly. That's poor writing. Exactly. That's the problem with this movie. Nothing is thought through. That was one of my points against Kevin. He does not brush his teeth, apparently. Kevin also gave off gay vibes, which I think I was picking up on. Hardcore, definitely. Was into. So that may have played a part in why Kevin is my preferred Christmas man. Yeah. Okay. I am going to keep going on tangents if we don't start the points. And we're already 25 minutes into this. Okay. This is going to be a long episode. Yeah. So every week, as you... No, this would be an interesting one to start with. Welcome. That's a good one to start with. It's a good one to start with, but Fifi Fierce probably is really confusing. That's mostly what I was thinking about. Her episodes are always the weirdest. How am I confused? I didn't mean mean Fiona. I meant the name Fifi Fierce because we have yet to say Fiona in this episode. Fifi Fierce. So we break down the romance of the movie into five separate points. It looks like we have a lot of extra points this week. There are two relationships. Wait, did you do two five points (laughs) sets of five points? Are you kidding me? And a point zero? Yep. There are 11 points this week I to go through. Not. So Our show is broken. <laughs> so I should never have done six for Spider-Man 3. Fiona. Yes. Why don't you start with point zero and get this ball rolling? Because we got to pick up the pace. This is my hell. Okay. So point zero is where we start off, which is the only way that any of this could have happened. And that is when Princess Margaret and Stacey DeNovo switch places. I have an objection. This is true point zero erasure. Stacy DeNovo owns a bakery in Chicago, the classiest city in the world. You know she's proud of it because she wears a hat that says Chicago on it all the time. I was surprised because it was not Boston, so how important can she be? Well, that's the thing is we're told very early on that her bakery is a hidden gem. It's a best kept secret in the city. And she's like, well, you better help me spread the word. I need my business to pick up. And that's then when Kevin... And his daughter, Olivia, perhaps the worst actress I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> show up and are like, guess what? We got you into this baking competition in Belgravia, the 56th annual holiday baking competition. And Stacy at first is like, oh, I can't do that. We could never close down the store for the time that it would take to do this. And Olivia helpfully is like, actually, it turns out we can. 
Belgravia is like a fairy tale. We'd be staying in a cottage, and they even have a handsome prince. That is the evidence she provides saying, actually, we can shut down the store, <laughs> and that works! That is the argument! And then Stacy is like, you're a crazy lady, you're a little child who's bad at acting, and she walks out of the store, and that's when she runs into her ex, Paul, who we know she dated for three years, and they've broken up. We don't know how recently, but it seems like this is the first Christmas since they broke up. And she runs into Paul, and she's like, hey, how's it going? And then Paul's new squeeze comes out. Her name is Taylor, and just immediately starts making out with Paul in the street. And then Paul's like, so what are you doing for Christmas? And she's like, I'm in a baking competition in Belgravia. So she really only does it to look good to Paul, because Olivia's explanation for how this is acceptable <laughs> to shut down her business is a terrible one. So are you saying that that is point zero? I'm saying that's point zero. I'm saying this happens because of love, because of heartbreak. Okay, that's fine. That's zero point zero. <laughs> Paul seems like a real dick, though. I Actually, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think Paul is pretty nice when he sees her. He's like, hey, like, how are you doing? Checking in. It's Taylor who comes in immediately is like making out and then is like, what? Who are you? Like, Although what's the deal? I did write that I don't think Paul is a guy worth pining over. No, I agree. But I think Paul is actually pretty fair in the surprise encounter. He's like a little too shady to an ex. Yeah, like why'd they break up? Hmm? He probably was a jerk about that. Also, I don't know how long it's supposed to have been, but- It's very unclear. He and Taylor seem to be pretty far along and she doesn't know about her. So I'm wondering if there was a little overlap there. Mm. Unless Taylor does know about her and was just lying to be like, you are beneath me. You are not worth my knowledge. Who is she? Yeah. Yeah, I think Taylor's terrible. For sure. So you want to take us to point number zero, Fiona? So point zero point one. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now I'm afraid. We're now at point 12. <laughs> no, so this is then the switch. So at the setup for the baking competition. By the way, we're skipping the elf man here by doing this too. Well, you want to talk about the elf? Uh, we can come to him later. Okay. So the rival girl, I forget her name, she accidentally on purpose spills coffee on Stacy's apron. Oh, yeah. Her name again is Brianna, Brianna. Michaels. Brianna does that. So then Stacy is yeah, going to try to Yeah, the crisis here up. is that a baker has gotten stuff spilled on her apron. Which That's what an apron is for. I have an apron. She's and like, oh no, I have to leave and do something about this apron. This is why you have an apron. This famous baking competition also doesn't seem to provide the aprons and you have to bring your own. Yeah, and she brought one. And so now has to go out and buy another. Yeah, and so while she's going to look to try to clean herself up, she bumps into Princess Margaret and they have a real uh, parent trap moment where they turn and look at each other and realize they're identical. And they immediately are like, I like my Oreos with peanut butter <laughs> and you like your Oreos with peanut butter and we have the same birthday. I think in this and case- And we're both good at fencing and at poker. In this movie, though, the explanation is that one of the royals of Maldonado or Montanaro. whatever, Montanaro or whatever it's called, uh, ran it's, off to America with some sleazebag American. It's specifically divorcee. It's clearly a Wallace Simpson thing. Yeah, it's a reference to Wallace Simpson in that, so she must be, it's like, den, uh, what? So, it, so, Denovo? So, and then it got so changed cousin to Cecil, Cousin Cecil, who was like her great, great something or other. Margaret Gregory something or other, ran away to America with Wallace Simpson. Their daughter then married someone named D'Onofrio. 
and then that's the descendant that leads to Stacy Genovo, which does not explain then. No, I think it's supposed to be like D'Onofrio got corrupted in Ellis Island, so it would probably their son. So she's probably like male descended from Cecil. And you know, the classic story of fifth cousins always look the same. Exactly. They're identical. Always. And yeah. I love how, here's the thing is like, in this circumstance, like I bump into someone and I, even if I drop something, like I say, sorry, and keep going. They turn, look at each other, gasp, you don't think and then are immediately you, like, we're identical. You don't think if you bumped into someone who looked just like you, you I think I would have, stop? I think I would have moved on before I processed it. Interesting. But Margaret was clearly hunting for someone who looked exactly like her to here's switch. Because this plan you seemed know, fully formed. What Margaret- was her plan if she did not meet Stacy? So let's talk about the Duchess Margaret of Montanaro, who is set to marry Prince Edward of Belgravia and become the princess and then queen. She is very, very, very shy. The public, the press have no idea what she looks like. Which raises the question, if she wants to know what it is like on the streets of Belgravia... Could she not just go out pretending to be a normal person? Yeah, because she could. She no does. One knows what she looks like. She does. Because as Stacy, even if they did know what she looked like, then going out looking like her doppelganger would not help. She should put on a fake mustache or something, or a wig. On or... either level, whether people do know what she looks like or don't know what she looks like, either way, this is a stupid plan. <laughs> also, it's really unclear what. She is a Duchess of Montanaro. Right. Is she a sovereign? Yes. So how is she so shy if she's actively ruling a country? And at the same time, why is everyone discounting her opinion already? I know it's supposed to be some comment on feminism, but she's a head of state. She should be getting more respect than she does. Oh, absolutely. We know that she's of another country and not of like a region within Belgravia because she talks about how... She was raised being told that marriage is about duty and it's about alliances between states. So this is a political marriage. Yes, because these countries, Genovia, Aldovia, Belgravia, and Montanaro all exist in the year 1540. Well, we know in Genovia's case, that's because Grandmare has been suppressing the truth of Genovia's (laughs) constitutional destiny. That is true. Anyway, like Fiona was saying, they run into each other. And Duchess Margaret is immediately like, why don't you come and meet me in my chambers an hour from now? But for no particular reason, just, um, you know, baking stuff. Well, I definitely, wedding cake. I definitely don't have a plan ready to go in this moment, which she clearly does, which is wild. Because like Mark was saying, was she just wandering around until she ran into a lookalike? And also, why does she need a lookalike? No one knows what she looks like. This movie broke me. <laughs> All right, let's move on to point number one of ten. I would also just like to point out, I did enjoy the Princess Diaries little type scene where they're teaching each other how to walk. Okay, how long is that supposed to last, though? They're, like, teaching each other their family trees and how to walk. How long do we think that lasts? Six hours? Who knows? At least in the parent trap, we get the sense that they spend weeks becoming each other. And this one, it is definitely just a couple hours. Well, they're... I, I don't. I have no words. Stacy is expected to impersonate the sovereign head of a foreign state. Of All she which, has to do is talk about the weather. Of which she didn't give even a single Google. She knows nothing about this country. I'm assuming that in this world, the internet exists. So she could just go, oh, let me check Wikipedia. Montanaro. These are all the things. So I don't make references to how warm it is, even though it seems to be polar. They don't even do basic things like, hey, heads up. 
I'm a big piano player. Yeah, that was key. Also, I did not love how they actually kept their own phones. They should have switched their phones. Yeah, that was dumb. Because if someone had tried to contact, like, let's say Kevin tried to call Stacy and Margaret's phone did not ring because that's not Stacy's phone. Yeah, it's real stupid. Yeah. But think of all the nudes. <laughs> but they look the same. <laughs> Who cares? I just mean the other people's nudes. Like, you don't want to be swapping phones. They're very private. Maybe Paul. Who's Paul? Oh, true. Paul, uh, Stacy's ex. Oh, already forgot who he is. <laughs> Again, <laughs> that's what Stacy needs to do. Over. Okay, so should we? So, so I did break up into ten points here because uh, there are two couples. This is my hell. So I'd like to take us. How do you want me to do that? Otherwise, so first we'll talk about Stacy and Edward. So, okay. So point one. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Is when Edward decides that he. This is Edward, Prince of Belgravia, played by Sam. Palladio, I believe. Is Who how crucially wrote the opening song in this movie that yep. plays over the opening montage, Scenes of Chicago. The only time anything in this movie is clearly Chicago related, except for Vanessa Hudgens' hat, which helpfully says Chicago. But also, he was in the show Nashville, which was great. So he decides that he's not going to go traveling. He's going to spend the last couple days before his wedding in town to right, get so to know his future wife better. The way that they were planning on working the switch is that Margaret was like, it won't matter that you're in my place. Nobody's looking for you. I don't go out in public. And Edward's going to be out of town because he has a meeting with Spain. And that's great. But then, like Fiona was saying, he stays in town. Yeah, f- Spain, am I right? <laughs> I feel like Spain will understand. So it's a crisis because this is the man that she's expected to marry and he's going to get to know the wrong person. And they've seen a Christmas prince, so they know that people must be destined to get married to the wrong person. I'm assuming that's where the crisis comes in. They set up this switch and Margaret's like, we'll switch back in two days at midnight. Why does it have to be midnight? Is she Cinderella? Yes. They could do it at noon or at 5.30. Who cares? Maybe the old man witch elf dude has put some little spell on them and it ends at midnight. Maybe it's so they can avoid lipstick Frank. Yeah, I think it's mostly just avoid the people in the palace. Like, everyone will be asleep. Frank is Prince Edward's weird manservant who wears a ton of lipstick. Who also... At one point, I was fully expecting, after they make this deal, someone to turn around with a plate of fortune cookies. <laughs> I was really getting that vibe. We gotta watch that movie. That's a great movie. Um, I don't remember when this happens, but one of my favorite scenes is when Edward knocks on Princess Margaret's door, and she's in her dressing gown. This is right after they do the switch. Okay. So they and... do the, the princess switch. Well, the first time Edward sees her, Margaret is still there hiding behind the couch. Right. And then shortly after that, the next time they see one another, Edward comes back to be like, I hope you aren't mad that I'm going to be leaving. And she's wearing her nightgown and this magnificent hat. And her story is that she's wearing the hat because she's having tea. And in Montanaro, you never have tea without a hat, regardless of what time of day or what clothing you're wearing. And I appreciated that. I felt like that was an excuse I would come up with. Yeah, it was a bad excuse. <laughs> hey, Fiona, we know nailed you're, it. you're a bad liar. No. You have a long and storied history of lying, and you were just proud of the fact that you would have lied like a liar in a movie. Oh my gosh. All right, should we move on to point two? Sure. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. All right, so point two is- 12? When Edward decides that he is going to stay, and the next morning, they decide to go on a horse ride. Vanessa Hudgens' riding outfit is great. All of her outfits in this movie are great. Yeah. 
And so they expect that she's a talented horseback rider because she's a princess, but she falls off the horse when she gets on. He Another great her. lie is when she can't get on the horse and she says, well, in Montanaro, the horses are much smaller, more and, like large ponies. And she then says that her pants are too tight and starts doing lunges to try to stretch them out before she gets back up on the horse. I actually enjoyed this whole bit. I'm just the saying physical comedy kind of worked for me. Yep. Fiona's oh, getting a real it. kick out of these lies. <laughs> Anyways, so they go on their horse ride, and they're out somewhere in the snowy fields in the mountains. Of Romania. Belgravia. Oh, excuse me. It's a real place. Okay. Anyways, and so uh, Prince Edward makes a comment about how Margaret slash Stacey should not be concerned about matters of the state because doesn't she have a wedding to be planning, which is very sexist. Again, she is the sovereign ruler of an independent nation. Imagine telling the president of the United States, don't worry about politics, just focus on your wedding. This woman runs a country. And she gets very upset about this. And Rightly of, so, even gets, if she is just a baker. Right. But she also then gets this impression that Edward is just kind of a snobby prince who doesn't know anything about the real world. I mean, she's kind of right. Yeah, I never really bought that he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I think we see him grow. <laughs> he also then talks about how, like, he expected she wouldn't be interested in affairs of state just because, like, oh, they can be a burden sometime. And she's like, well, burdens aren't bad if you have someone to share them with. And I'm like, no, they're still burdens. Like, that's what makes it a burden as opposed to a responsibility. Burdens are a pain. That is true. This movie so, is written badly. Next point. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Later on, Edward realizes that he needs to apologize to... Margaret slash, slash Stacy. It is Stacy pretending to be Margaret. Correct. And so they're admiring a painting of his grandmother, and he tells her about the family seal, and then which says "Truth, Honor, Love." Yes. And then Stacy finds out that she has to go to this ball, which Margaret conveniently forgot to tell her about. Once so, again, she wears a great dress. All of Vanessa Hudgens' outfits are great. Oh, it is a great dress. So while they're getting ready to head downstairs for the ball, some servants catch them under some mistletoe. What is up with the mistletoe in this movie? Now, I think it's a Belgravian law. They just that... keep wandering near mistletoe and people are like, you've got to do it. Yeah, I think it's a law. But they raised that idea at one point. Edward says... It's not a law, and Vanessa Hudgens is just like, we should go for it. <laughs> like, they openly say, not a law, but we're going to do it every time, and it's going to happen a lot. Well, anyways, this was the most awkward kiss I've ever seen on a movie. Probably not, but it's up there. So then they're at the ball, and Stacy, through her conversations with the king and the queen and the prince, finds out that... The ball is ball a benefit is a for, like, uh, an orphanage. It's, but it's a family shelter. It's a family shelter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We only but see orphans. Poor people. Yeah. It's a benefit for a family shelter that the crown finances. But she finds out that the royal family really has no involvement with the families at the shelter. They and just the king raise is like, the money. The king is offended that she would ask them, like, how many families are in the shelter. He's like, we don't concern ourselves with how it's run. We have people who do that for us. This country sounds like a shit show. So basically, Stacy is confirmed in her opinion that these royals don't know anything about the world. This country is about to turn into Aldovia in Christmas Prince 2, where they have like a massive economic crisis. Probably. That movie is terrible, though. It's much worse than this one. Oh, yeah, I did not really like uh, Royal Wedding. So they're at the ball, and then Stacy goes outside, and I did enjoy their Sound of Music-like scene, where they dance around the gazebo. Also a Twilight scene. Does that happen in Twilight? At the end. Oh, gosh. I forgot that. I do have to say, she's wearing a stunning sleeveless gown, and she's in this gazebo 
chilling, no sweater, as in no all movies. Coat. It could be heated, or maybe it's that- a gazebo. Yeah, but you could put heating lamps. But as in also, all movies, it's unclear what temperature the, it is. The elfin man may have cast a warming spell. Okay, let's talk about the elf. Has he come up yet? Are we ever going to talk about the toy store? Um, yeah. Okay, then we could save it for the toy store. Okay, well, that's next. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. So they visit the family shelter. They discover that the families don't have any presents to give to the children. So I like how Stacy is shocked that poor people might not have presents. Yeah, she was like, that. she clearly doesn't understand the concept of poverty. She's almost as ignorant as the royal family. But her attitude is like, well, you just raise all this money for them. You think you could like do something nice for them for Christmas. Right. So she decides that she and Edward are going to go shopping, buy Christmas presents, do the wrapping, deliver them to the family. So they go on a little shopping experience. They're wandering through a toy store, which is all like generic toys, except for Cluedo and Twister. Those are games that you see very prominently displayed. And we see more of Edward's out of touchness when they discover he has never played Twister. I hate Twister. I do too. Twister is slightly less than fine. And so anyways, she demands that they stop in the store and play Twister. But in the middle of their game... Crossover to our other five points. Margaret and Kevin are entering the toy store. And here's where our magic elf man comes in. So in the first sequence in the movie, our point 0.0, as Fiona called it... (laughs) Stacy is walking out of her baking shop. This is before she runs into Paul. And she throws some money in a Salvation Army bucket worked by a dude with some, like, flyaway balding hair. He gives her a bunch of advice about, like, oh, yeah, Christmas wishes have a way of coming true. And we're like, whatever, old man. What is a Christmas wish? It's a wish you make on Christmas. This concept keeps showing up in these movies. And... No, like, it's not your birthday. There's no candles that you blow out for a wish. Is it just like... If you so make I a grew wish up, at Christmas and you catch an elf, it will come true. That's the leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up leprechaun. on the direct-to-video special Elmo Saves Christmas, in which Elmo successfully meets Santa Claus and is able to pick one of three gifts. And I don't remember what the other two are. I remember the one he picks is a magic wishing snow globe. And Elmo takes the snow globe and he wishes on it that it was Christmas every day. And the lesson Elmo eventually has to learn is that if it's Christmas every day, then Christmas is not that special and we don't get to celebrate the other great things that come throughout the year. By the time, like, Easter came, everyone was sick of Christmas. They wanted to do other things. But my understanding is that the only way to make a Christmas witch is with a magic snow globe that you get by catching Santa in the middle of the night. So they went full monkey paw for this? That's exactly what they did. special? Yeah. Anyway, that's when she then runs into Paul, and as she's walking back, she's like, so much for Christmas wishes. And he goes, it's not Christmas yet. Then we see him next when they arrive in Belgravia, and they're, like, wandering through the Christmas market. And Stacy sees him, and it's like, wait a minute. Aren't you the same dude that I saw in Chicago? And his response is, how could I have been in Chicago? And Stacy looks like, well, you do have me there. As though she did not also come to Belgravia from Chicago. There's a very simple way he could have been in Chicago. He could have gotten on a plane. But Stacy is too dumb to throw that back in his face. Time number three, he shows up. He sees Margaret pretending to be Stacy hanging out with Kevin and he goes up to Kevin and is like, does the heart good to see two people in love? And Kevin's like, no, we're not in love. We're just friends. And he's like, you guys seem like a match made in heaven and then wanders away. And Kevin, instead of being like, what the heck was that weirdo? Stares at Margaret being like, 
Hmm. Match made in heaven indeed. Fourth time he shows up is when he shows up in the toy store as our two pairs are interacting, but we can't have them run into each other because that'll reveal the whole game. The game that was not necessary because no one in public knows what Duchess Margaret looks like, so it wouldn't matter if she had gone out in public. Nonetheless, they have done this princess switch, and so now the weird elf man has to show up and run interference in the toy store. He asks Kevin for help with his car. He's like, hey, my car's out of petrol. <laughs> Because everyone's British in Belgravia. Would you mind helping me push it to the gas station? And Kevin's like, aren't you the dude from the Christmas market? And this time, the guy tells the truth. And it's like, yeah, but I closed my shop early. Like, fifth time he shows up. Towards the end of the movie, the queen has found out about the princess switch. And she's not sure what to do. And she's like walking around outside. And this dude now is sweeping the street of snow. And he starts talking to the queen. And without looking at the pictures, just goes, looks like a princess to me. And the queen is like, hmm, maybe she could be a princess. This dude shows up five times. How? What's the security like at this palace? Dreadful. How is he able to just hop onto the grounds and start sweeping the snow away? He's magic. When Margaret comes back to switch back with Stacey, she clearly walked through the entire castle wearing the Chicago hat. Uh, I did just have a thought to explain why they might need to switch. Margaret needed someone to attend all of her events. Like, so she wouldn't have been able to get into the streets without someone at the event taking her place, like, at the ball and stuff. Except that she was expecting Edward to be out of town. Yeah, but, but the ball. she would have had... The ball, sure. The ball is not a whole day. She could have had all of the daytimes to be out but on the street. She also had to have breakfast with the missing. queen. Okay, so we've got between breakfast and the ball. But she wanted a few days. So maybe she was planning on just, like, leaving for those hours. But when she saw Stacey, she was like, you know, it'd be great if I force this dumb American to attend high society events <laughs> in a foreign as, country. She frames Speaking it as, of, I can't go out as myself. Speaking of dumb Americans, in the very beginning, when they first arrive in Belgravia, and the prince is in the car with Lipstick Driver Man. Frank. Frank, they almost hit Stacy, and Edward says, what's that yelling? And Frank says, oh, probably a tourist. And Edward just goes, I bet it's an American. He's not wrong. Well, he's not. All right. Um, so where are we? Okay, so they have this experience. Edward learns how to wrap presents because he has never done that before. They play Twister with the quick scene with Frank fanning Margaret's attendant as she's pretending to faint. And have a hot flash, I think is what it is. I like it when they bring the toys to the kids and we cut to them having been opened and no one is playing with a toy except for two kids very deliberately throwing a ball back and forth in the yeah. background. And you just know that those two kids were told, all right, you two are going to throw a ball and no other kid was given instructions. Yeah. So they have this great experience. They give out the presents. The children are so thrilled. Edward decides that he and Margaret are going to visit the shelter every month so that it's not just a gesture. It is something that he's actually doing. And at and this point, some little kid sashays up doing this like weird side to side <laughs> walk. And he goes, excuse me. You're standing under mistletoe because this country <laughs> hangs mistletoe everywhere as a trap for people. Imagine putting a bunch of mistletoe in a children's <laughs> playroom. And then a seven-year-old comes up and is like, you have to do this. This is a law in this country. Don't you understand where you are? Who do you think you are? You may be a monarch, but you are not above the law. Also, the kid that sashays up to Frank and shoots him with the toy gun. He has the weirdest and walk. Frank is kind of like, he just throws up his hands and is like, oh. <laughs> but There's actually, so many bad actors in this movie. But 
then when they return back to the palace, Edward gives Margaret slash Stacy the shield that his grandmother had been wearing in the painting. And they also have another mistletoe kiss. Right. It happens three times. Right. But it's interesting to see the progression of their kisses where they go from extremely awkward to you can tell that they are really into each other. Right. But that's also the night that midnight is approaching. And so they switch back. They switch back. Meanwhile, Frank has Stacey found is out. very upset about this. Yes. And Frank has been spying. He has pictures of the two of them together. Right. Because Margaret and Stacy went to a lot of efforts to hide their switch, except they did not go to the effort of closing the curtains when they were in the room together. Right. So the secret is out. What you gonna do? It's a switch So the next morning, Margaret decides that she has to tell Edward the truth. And then the queen pretends to get sick, decides that maybe she's okay with Stacy marrying the prince. Well, because she's inspired by the elf. Right. And sends Margaret and Edward down to the baking competition so that everyone will see that there are two of them. This is a wild plan by the queen. She's like, oh, you know how we can solve this weird princess switch situation? We'll just put everyone in the same room on live television. I think I was checking Twitter at this point because I have no idea what's going on here. (laughs) This is the part where I was just constantly yelling. So this is then when at the baking competition, despite the KitchenAid fiasco... Margaret, I mean, Stacy and Kevin win. And it's They win the competition despite not having had a mixer when they made their cake batter. Right. It's announced that the prince and his fiance will be handing out the awards. At which point, Stacy starts to freak out. She's like, oh, Kevin, we don't need to actually go get our award. They'll send it to us. Let's just leave. And Kevin is like, nope, we flew out here. We won the competition. We're going up there. So they go up and all of a sudden, everyone discovers there are two of them. And... Margaret explains the whole situation and what happens, and she professes her love for Kevin. She gives this whole speech about how, like, I found out I'm just a normal girl, and normal girls fall in love with normal guys. I hated that sentence so much. Like, Kevin. Kevin, you're so normal. And I love you. Then, Edward, he already knows about this because they had a little chat at the palace, decides to ask Stacy if she is really in love with him. And she starts freaking out because she cannot leave the bakery in Chicago. She already has for days. When you need to think, can I leave my business? Totally shut down. Just remember, Belgravia is like a fairy tale. We'll be living in a cottage there and they have a handsome prince. That's the only evidence you need to shut down your store. But Stacy does not like to deviate from the plan. And that would be deviating from- The schedule. The schedule, exactly. So- Do not take a drink every time they say schedule. (laughs) So after very little convincing, Edward then says, Stacy, if you love me in a year, will you marry me? On Christmas. On Christmas. What's ludicrous and is that they says, then yes. cut to a year later instead of doing the Christmas prince thing and giving us the princess switch marriage but next year. I did appreciate that he said, if you still love me in a year, because let me tell you that Christmas wedding planner movie that I watched, they did not wait a year. They were like, we're already at a wedding. It's not happening. Let's just take that wedding for us. Incredible. Princess Diaries 2. True. Mm-hmm. That movie's wild. So that is our Stacy and Edward line. I like how no one discusses the fact that this political marriage is ending. Right. 
But again, you could remember you don't need marriage alliances because it's the 21st century and you can just sign a formalized peace treaty, lodge it with the UN and other world bodies, and then international law as dictated among nations will take effect. Except that apparently there was a reason they thought they needed this political marriage and now it's not happening. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen to Montanaro and Bulgravia? Well, I th- they could sign a peace treaty like every other goddamn nation. Yeah, I think the queen will make sure it's all okay. She's the queen. I suppose. Yeah, she's got it. The queen is the one who convinced the king that it was okay. The queen is steely. She's got some resolve. I like that. Yeah. Like when Frank was trying to go around her to reveal the princess switch, the queen was just like, you can tell me this or you can quit your job. Uh, Frank hated him, but he did get treated terribly by so many people. Like uh, Margaret's attendant would just give him dirty dishes all the time. All right, do we want to move on to... Oh, God, we have five more we points. We have five more points because be, Fiona's an anarchist. Quicker. This should be quicker. Okay. Fine. All right, so once they switch... What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Margaret, pretending to be Stacy, joins up with Kevin and his daughter. I forget her name. Olivia. Olivia. How old do we think Olivia is? Too old. Somewhere between five and 15. <laughs> Olivia looks like she's like 14. She acts like she's six. Yes. Like when they do a wish with Santa, she's like, Santa, I want you to bring me a new mom. Oh, by the way, Stacy and my dad, why don't you come in this picture with us? Being not subtle at all. Of course, less subtle than when she just straight up said to her dad, I really wish you and Stacy were a thing. <laughs> You know what we find out later, also, after the scene where she wishes for a new mom? Kevin and her mom got divorced, which means her mom is still alive somewhere. So I'm really curious what happened there that she wants a new mom. It's kind of implied that her mom, like, ditched them. Yeah, that's what I got. And I got that it was before she even really knew her mom. Yeah. Like, Uh, as an infant. Yeah. And Kevin's response is just like, we've been friends since high school. We would know by now if something were going to happen. Stacy's way too intense for me. So when they ditch their schedule, they have a snowball fight, they get a picture with Santa, they decorate ornaments. Oh yeah, by the way, she decorates her ornament with a big heart on it (laughs) and says Christmas should be about love. That is true. Mark just gave a big ol' eye roll. And this is when then the elf wizard man approaches Kevin and says, oh. Match made in heaven. You are a match made in heaven. But he is noticing that Stacy seems to be a lot more loose and like flexible with the plan. She's not a strict schedule follower anymore. Right. This is also then when that night they're doing a check-in, Stacy and Margaret, and Kevin pops his head in from the bathroom, not wearing a shirt, and is like, hey, I haven't brushed my teeth in two days. You want to hook a brother up? (laughs) You know what I just realized? There's no evidence that Stacy always follows plans. It is just repeatedly said. She does get annoyed at the idea of anyone deviating from schedule. Yeah, she got annoyed that Margaret did not stick to the schedule. Yeah, they're saying like, oh, we went to this fountain. And she's like, the fountain wasn't on the schedule. What the heck? I guess that's fair. I feel like it's mostly established in people telling her, you really hate change. There is a kind of amusing bit early on in her meeting Edward. Edward's like, I hate that I have to do this, but it's been on the schedule. And she's like, well, schedules must be followed. And he's like, I think so too. And they have this like really like (laughs) bonding moment over being scheduled dorks. Schedule match made in heaven. All right. So next. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. They're hanging out and they decide to watch a movie. In fact, they Netflix and chill. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And Stacy specifically says, let's watch my favorite Christmas movie. A Christmas Prince. A ludicrous opinion. 
which she's crying at, but they really kind of bond. I think they're both crying they at are. it. They are. They are. But they bond over crying during the movie. It just so, ends on that stupid street in New York outside her dad's diner on New Year's Eve. Yes. So then the next thing. What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Is after they've watched this movie, Kevin, having changed his heart and maybe his feelings for Stacy slash Margaret, is bold enough to say, I have a present for you. It's in your stocking. I do like that Kevin brought stockings yeah. to Belgravia well, and hung them up. his daughter. How are you going to take away Christmas from your daughter? I don't think it's on Christmas, is it? I think they're spending Christmas. I think they I are, don't know. too. So anyways, so she goes in the stocking and it's a locket with the picture of the two of them and Santa and Olivia. And it's the sweetest gift she has ever received and she loves it. And then they kiss, which Stacey and Kevin were led to believe have never done. And he was like, is this okay? And she says, I shouldn't have done this. We have to pretend it didn't happen. Which probably crushed his heart after he put himself out there. Kevin is hugely the victim of this movie. There's no reason that he needed to be hoodwinked as a part of any of this. He could have just been told that it was Duchess Margaret. Yeah, that is There true. is no reason to lie to Kevin. Especially because Olivia figured it out, and that didn't yeah. ruin the Immediately. whole bit. It's also like, the minute you see Stacy doing a secret, elaborate handshake with Olivia, you're like, oh, this is how Olivia's gonna figure out that Margaret is a fake. And if Kevin has been her good friend for so long, how does he not figure it out? Well, I don't know. So here's the thing. is like, if Mark one day suddenly did something that seemed like out of character for him, I don't think my first thought would be, Mark has been replaced Imposter. by an identical twin. <laughs> I think my first thought would be, something weird has gone on with Mark. That's a fair point. And All if right, it led to Mark God. like being looser and more fun-loving, I'd be like, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like a good thing. And he'd check my nightstand for drugs. Well, no, I'd just ask him for toothpaste. <laughs> All right, so then... What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. At the baking competition, the truth comes out. And Margaret does her whole little spiel that we... I found out I'm just a normal girl. (laughs) Normal girls fall in love with normal boys. I don't care about... Bears of state. Edward was right. I don't want anything to do with politics. I just want to be a normal girl. Kevin, you're very, very normal. I've lied to you for three days, and you're so normal, you couldn't figure it out. For a hot second, I thought they were going to permanently switch places, and Stacy was going to take over the country of Montanaro. That would have been amazing. Oh my gosh. So We then- didn't talk about the fact that Edward tells Stacy she can move her bakery to Belgravia. Do we think that happens? I don't know. Because where do... Well, so real quick, the last point that I had... What you gonna do? It's a switcheroo. Was that at Stacy and Edward's wedding, Margaret catches the bouquet, and we are led to believe that Kevin will propose on New Year's. So, when they get married, where do they live? Does Kevin... I assume they live in Montanaro. Well, what about the bakery in Chicago? He's a he's a sous chef. He doesn't care. The bakery in Chicago must have closed by now. I guess. But what about that poor old woman who says it's the hidden gem of Chicago? She can find another place to get her Maybe name. Croissants. She, she might move to Belgravia. She's got bragging rights for ages that she bought her cookies from the, the queen of Belgravia. Yeah. Okay, we've done all 12 points. <laughs> this movie broke me. Let's quickly run through the last questions. Do you find the romance between Stacy and Edward and then Margaret and Kevin believable? It well, all sucks. Fiona. 
Are we putting aside the fact that that's a the no. switch is Move on. <laughs> the switch is central to the romance, especially because both of the dudes are being lied to as part of it. I know for you, that works very well. It is very appealing. Okay, it's not believable. Of it's course not. Three days of lies, and we're expected to believe they get married. This is a zero. No, see, here's the thing. This I, is a zero out of ten. But they didn't get married for a year. It wasn't like immediately like, you've been lying to me for three days. Let's get married right now. They waited a year. So that's the, all right, fine. That's the the only believable part about this because of that i'll give it a one maybe a two this is worse than while you were sleeping <laughs> yeah which we gave a three yeah so definitely a one i'm giving it a zero i'm done with this crap kevin didn't need to be lied to do you really think this is howard the duck levels yeah i do kevin should not have been on board with this fiona what uh, do you think sometimes people do crazy things for love it's not for love <laughs> fiona where would it's you rate lunacy. it I, I would Keep it low, like a one or a two. You got to pick. But not a zero. I'm at a one. I'm a two. Ugh. Average to a one, which I picked. So I win. Oh. <laughs> Do you guys think these people are dateable? No. Let's move on. Um, Kevin, None maybe. Kevin, maybe. What about Edward? I think that he had a nice arc where he went from being a clueless royal to then realizing you should do more for other people. I thought that maybe was- Maybe Edward at the end of the movie. Yeah. I think he gets himself there. Kevin, yes. The girls, no. No. I'm just so done. Let's keep moving. If you had to pick one person in this movie to date, who would it be? The lady in waiting or whatever she oh, is. Oh, she's cool. The she was cool. Margaret. She Mrs. Was Donatelli. Board. She was on board with the Switch. She helped them out. She. I don't think she was not... actually on board with the Switch. I think she just supports Margaret completely. Yeah, but she also was not here for Frank's crap. No. Which I liked. It's gotta uh, be Kevin, right? Yeah. But he's... Yeah, I guess we said we would naturally assume that there's an imposter if your friend's acting weird. So he's not dumb. He but can he bake. does not brush his teeth. <laughs> that is a big point off. I also just don't like choosing main characters. So I always try and find someone on the side. Who are you going to do? The elf? What about the guy? No, I picked... The announcer at the baking competition. Oh, Mrs. Donatelli. Yeah. Everyone running the baking competition, like, even the, like, judges and stuff seemed like great people. Yeah, they were fine. Yeah. They were having a great time. It's weird that they had to fly out to London for every time they filmed at Wembley Studios this baking competition. Yeah. Also, if you're dating someone who is in charge of a baking competition, do you then get to try all the baked goods? Maybe. No. Do you go to your boyfriend's work every day? No. (laughs) But maybe we get to be backstage at the baking competition. It's the big annual international baking competition, Mark. I think that a significant other would get to go to it. Maybe. Maybe. Could be in the audience. You'd probably have off anyway. Maybe the audience all gets to like sample the cakes at the end. Because the audience was not huge. I hope so. Um, Do we think Stacy and Edward would stay together? Yes. No. Wait. Stacy. Yeah. I think probably yes. I think they would. I don't know. Because like, I don't believe that she would be able to run her bakery. And I think that would be a big sticking point. Why would she I think she is invested in the philanthropy aspect of the crown and could potentially do that. That's yeah, true. She, she could wanted, take that on as her job. She concerned about yeah. members of the state. And she could bake on the side. She could bake for the shelter. Yeah. What about Margaret and Kevin? I don't know. Kevin is better than all of these people. He should cut off relationships with all of them. But he does become prince of a country and not actually have to deal with anything. I was going to say, this is the best scenario, which is to, like, marry in and not have to do anything. Yeah. Like, that's so how I would want to be a royal. Kevin and Stacey are Winners. doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? We've talked about this movie for so long. I have nothing else to say. Well, we have to give our dating advice, right? We'll get to that, that at the end. The very end. Sorry. Have you ever listened to this show? No. 
This is only like episode 58. <laughs> you've been on this show way more than anyone else. You think if you've it. done this more than anyone except for the two of us. And I think I do this every time. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's my trope. Your trope is being a liar. What? All right. Next week, we are celebrating the end of 2018. Yeah, we are bringing back a long-absent guest to take a look at the end of the year. And it was quite a year. Yeah. Did you guys remember that Black Panther came out this year? Paddington 2 was in January. Yeah. So next week, we're going to be doing The Last Holiday with special guest Nick Ebert. Ooh. He's coming back. He was last on the show for Easy A back in February. Wow, that was so long ago. Yeah. Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps other people to find the show. All right, guys. Last question. Fiona, what's the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? Um, my best piece of dating advice would be to pretend to be someone else. And wear a hat in your dressing gown. Commit identity theft. (laughs) That's Fiona's advice. Yep. Can we sum that up? Fiona's advice is lie. (laughs) That's what I heard. New advice is to um, play Twister and teach them how to wrap Christmas presents. The best piece of dating advice from this movie is if you don't have a doppelganger that looks exactly like you, you're shit out of luck and you'll never find love. The best piece of dating advice in this movie is listen to whatever the magical elf man tells you about your romantic life. All right, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay. And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!